Right now, it's time to welcome in Lincoln Kennedy, Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst. Lincoln, good morning. DJ PK, Happy New Year's to you. I, I don't know if we talked last week. I don't think we did. Jake said we didn't. But um, Happy New Year's to you guys, uh, and it's good to be with you. How you doing? It is good to have you back, and I couldn't help but think of you watching the Raiders and Chargers it was not a perfect game. It was a struggle. <laughs> but those often make for entertaining games, and that game was nothing if not wildly entertaining. The most surprising thing that happened in that game. What well, I tell you what, other than me running out of nitroglycerin pills because <laughs> I was having a heart attack almost every other play, um, <laughs> the, the, the biggest thing that came out was the, the fact that in the past, those types of games, the Raiders have found a way to lose. This season the Raiders have found a way to win. Um, and it's a total team effort. Um, I've been critical of Derek Carr pretty much his entire career. Uh, and, and this time I, I noticed uh, it, it really came out. I, I kind of noticed it in other games, but it really came out in this game. In fact, this is, this is a decent team now. Uh, and, I, and I say that wholeheartedly, team. It's not just an offense. It's a decent team. Um, the fact that the offense has got a little bit of running game. Derek Carr has not had to throw over 300 yards to win these games the past, uh, over the past month. Uh, and the defense has showed up along with the special teams. It's, it's a, it, it really is a team that's holding every other facet about it accountable. Hey Lincoln, it's exactly what I want to ask you right off the bat. A number of comeback wins this year. This has been a it's been a crazy season for yeah. the Raiders. Obviously, with off the field stuff and with Gruden and all the all the junk that's been going on. But when they get out there, they find a way to pull a rabbit out of a hat, almost right. so, so to speak. And I'm wondering, does that actually build more confidence in your team, knowing hey, it doesn't really matter the situation. We know we can do this because we've been doing this all season. Without having the privilege of being in the locker room and playing with these guys, I have to say yes from the outside in, mainly because when you look at it, all the things that have stacked up, you talked about the off-the-field issues, I've never dealt with or I've never been a part of anything like that. You know, I, when, I played 12 years. I, didn't, I never had a coach that left in the middle of the season or was gone in the middle of the season or beginning of the season, but I always knew, you know, there's coaches that weren't going to be coming back the following year. I never had players, you know, arrested for DUIs and no longer on the team, uh, as starters, as a matter of fact, um, though we've had our fair share of uh, of off-the-field incidents, and more importantly, you know, the transition uh, from uh, Oakland to Las Vegas on top of a national pandemic that is affecting every single team in every part of our country. I've never been a part of all the off-the-field issues that one could probably make excuses for and say, well, this is why we couldn't win, or this is what happened, or, or whatever it is. Um, when you look at this team, uh, it's very impressive to see their their level of resolve and their ability to stay in it. Uh, you know, Max Crosby on Sunday night had an unbelievable game. I mean, a really a standout game. He was a difference maker. He was effective and an impact player on, on almost every offensive play. However, you still had the Chargers that had in one drive, I think they had six fourth downs where they converted. That's never happened before. And as a broadcaster, I'm sitting there, I'm stunned. My mouth is wide open. I've, I've never seen this before. You hold somebody for three downs, and all of a sudden, the fourth down, they find a way to get the first down. But you also have to tip your hat to the Chargers because, like, look, those guys get paid too, and they're going to be a, a force to reckon with in the future. Um, all that being said, it was a tremendous season with the NFL adding their 17th game to the regular season and adding you know, another sort of layer, if you will, to the playoffs. It came down to the final game of the regular season on national TV. 
as a, as a sports fan. I don't know if you can if you can write a better script, to be honest with you, because there were there were there were two spots that were left. Pittsburgh Steelers were laying in the, in, in, in the, the corner waiting, and I honestly believe, guys, when it comes to that Charger game, the Raiders were perfectly content with just letting the clock run out and taking the tie, sending both teams to the to the playoffs until Brandon Staley called that uh, called that uh, timeout, forced the Raiders to have to run a play, and then all of a sudden, out of ex- execution, Josh Jacobs was able to slip the line of scrimmage, get the first down, and. Now you're in field goal position, so you're going to kick the field goal to win the football game. The Chargers converted a lot of fourth downs, as you mentioned, and it was wildly entertaining. But the one they didn't convert earlier in the game, fourth and one, inside their own 20, at their own 18-yard line. Did you almost fall out of the broadcast booth down into the crowd below when they snapped the ball? Because I know on TV the broadcast crew was thinking, well, they must be drawing them offside, trying to. And then they sneaked You know, um, there were two things about that. I'm not surprised that they called that play because the head coach has been sort of arrogant or, you know, however you want to say, conceited about fourth downs, yeah. approaching fourth downs pretty much all season, mm-hmm. almost to a fault. There were a lot of people who thought that he lost the Kansas City game by not kicking the field goals and taking the nine points that he left off the board uh, by going for fourth downs and not getting him. Uh, so it is what it is. We kind of knew going in that he was a little bit of a riverboat gambler, uh, that he was going to take that on, on, on the chin. Uh, but I was more surprised what the play called. Look, Austin Eckler to me is a good football back, a good running back. His strength is not running between the tackles. His strength is running outside. His strength is, you know, getting the ball in, in, um, in, in the flats, you know, whether it's uh, screens or, or, or flare passes or stuff like that. It's not inside. But I would give the credit to, to, to Darius Phylon, the, uh, the defensive tackle who unfortunately was lost uh, to injury uh, for the rest of the season, who used to play for the Chargers. He made a great play as a three technique, a defensive tackle, where he went around the, the, the left guard and got in the backfield and tackled Austin Eckler the moment he got the football. So there was no way he could get that first down. So I, I, I kind of deem it more as a good play by Darius Phylon and the Raiders' defense than it was in an, an, an that play by the Chargers' offense. Is Saatchi done enough in your mind, or are they still going to go outside? One more time. Saatchi, did he do enough to keep the job, or are they still going to look outside? You know, I, I plan on having a very in-depth conversation with Mark Davis, who I have a good relationship with, at the end of the season. I think Basachi has done enough for the good, to, to keep this job. There are some things that, that need to change. Um, but I honestly think that Basachi has done a good enough job to keep this uh, to keep his job. And more importantly, I'm a little bit more excited about special teams guys having a head coach position. If you look at sort of the trend that's going around the NFL, whether you're an offensive or defensive-minded guy, I think that kind of takes away from managing the game. Um, and, and, and look, by the, by, by the letter of the law, managing the, a football game is a talent and an art that's all its own. It's not that simple. A lot of people just think, well, you know, go for it on fourth down. or okay. No, you've you got to be able to understand the flow, the emotion, uh, uh, where you are, the momentum, uh, if, if you will, for a football game. And when you're an offensive or defensive-minded coach, I think a lot of times you're more fixated on that side of the ball. So I say that to say this. I think you, know, you look at guys at Harbaugh in Baltimore, you look at guys like Tomlin in Pittsburgh, special teams guys that allow their offensive and defense coordinators to do their jobs, but they're managing the football game. And I think that's really a, a, a lost art, if you ask me. So the short answer or the long answer to your question is I do think Versace earned the, earned the job. The Bengals haven't won a playoff game since the 1990 season, the 91 playoffs. They beat the Oilers 
And the Oilers moved to Tennessee. We don't even have the Oilers anymore. That brand is gone, <laughs> which is too bad because that was a great brand. Yeah, the was, Raiders haven't won a playoff game since they beat the Titans, a.k.a. the Oilers, uh, in the AFC title game in 2002. Now, the Bengals have been to the playoffs. The Raiders have played one playoff game since then. As you point out, you know, they got guys coming in from other teams, so that can bring some playoff experience to it. But two teams with so little success, how does that figure in? What does that matter? Who do you trust the most when you don't have any recent experience to trust anybody? Well, you, you know, you just you just dated me because the Raiders haven't won a playoff game since I played, which was two decades ago. <laughs> so you, you just dated me. I was on that team that beat the AFC Titans, uh, beat the Titans for the AFC Championship, and ended up going to the Super Bowl. So yes, I, I remember vividly. You know, when you talk about the for the Raiders, the the 2016 season, Derek Carr was on pace, to, in my opinion, to have an MVP caliber type of year until his ankle was broken. They ended up going to the playoffs to play the Texans with a rookie quarterback, which is the first time that ever happened in the playoffs. So you're right. As, as this roster sits right now for the Raiders, there were only two players that were on that team the last time they went into the playoffs, Jalen Richard and Derek Carr. That's it. Everyone else is brand new. Now, there have been other guys that have had playoff experience, Super Bowl experience at KJ right, with Seattle and stuff like that. But it doesn't necessarily carry over to where the Raiders' momentum is. So I think that kind of affects them when you talk about this game. Uh, for the Bengals, pretty much really, really similar situation, and even a lot more just brand new team. But you know, it, it's one. Of, it's what provides for maybe a, a possibly entertaining and exciting game because the Bengals throughout this season have got their offense started. They're, they're, they've been able to air out the ball. Joe Burrow is having a, a tremendous year. He's got tremendous support from wide receivers. And this Bengals team's beat the snot out of the Raiders, I think it was week 11, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, you know, the, the, the Raiders have got a little bit of a um, – sort of an experience of playing this team and seeing this team up close. And the Bengals have got the, you know, their work cut out for them. But they're division winners, so they get a chance to host a football game. So it should make for an exciting wild card. Anything could happen. I think the momentum of both these teams um, – and more so the Raiders and the Bengals because I've never liked backing into the playoffs, but I understand why Cincinnati sat a lot of their starters for the Cleveland game um, and, and just you know came in with the loss. I think they feel comfortable with what they have. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out because weather will be an issue. Um, whether it's snowing or it's just downright cold, it's going to be blistery one way or the other out there. Um, and the Raiders aren't necessarily familiar with playing in that type of cold, playing in Allegiant Stadium, and, and more importantly, get the benefit of the doubt on the road game that they had this year, uh, and, and whether or not Cincinnati is, is, is ready to really to handle those. So it should be a very entertaining wildcard game. Do you think Burrow is on the verge of being really, really big team, big time? I mean, super elite because he's got the stats that would look like it, but he doesn't have the experience in the postseason. Well, that's that's where it's going to come. I mean, that's where it's going to come up, and this is his first opportunity at that. Uh, I already think Joe Burrow is considered one of the elite quarterbacks by a lot of people around the league. Just doesn't have the wins to support it. Now, when you talk about elite, you're talking about Aaron Rodgers who's got a Super Bowl win, or Tom Brady who's got several Super Bowl wins, and that's sort of what's gauged as far as a quarterback. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, the same thing. Um, he's not there yet, but this is his first opportunity to maybe start that journey to be that. So at least he's got a little more experience in the league. I'm looking at New England trying to ride a rookie quarterback in the playoffs and thinking Jalen Hurts with Philadelphia and then the situation New England finds themselves in with Mac Jones. Like those are the two teams to absolutely pick against. You buying that? 
No, not necessarily, because the difference is going to come down to coaching. It's the difference maker in Bill Belichick. You know, Belichick has had a, uh, a tradition, if you will, or a history of taking away what opposing offenses have done well. Mac Jones has been able to play within his own self. Not necessarily have to to, to, to be that you know that go getter that does a lot. You know, Bill Belichick is supported with a defense and a good team, um, but but Mac Jones has made those critical throws or those those throws that needed to be made at, at the right time. I think he plays within himself. Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles. I, you know, I, I think they're they're on borrowed time. I didn't think they were a playoff bound team, even though they found themselves in the playoffs. But I still think they've got some ways to go. But the thing is, is that they're good. They're forming for winning football games is a good old-fashioned formula that carries over this time of year. They're able to run the ball. If they're able to run the ball, if the team is able to run the ball, you're able to have success. And that's what the Philadelphia Eagles have had the pleasure of having. Momentum, Lincoln, can be fickle at any level. And you got some teams that are storming in the playoffs, other teams like Arizona, maybe even the Rams with their disappointing loss last week. Not that they're backing into it, but they don't really have the momentum. How much do you believe in momentum playing well at the end of the season, being able to carry over? 100%, because I think momentum builds confidence. I think if you go into the playoffs and you sit there and create excuses of why you weren't able to win or you, the way that you got there, I think it kind of affects your, your overall sort of a, a, a draw for the game as a team, collectively as a team. If you're able to win, you're confident. Win, winning builds confidence. That's why I've always said even in preseason, it doesn't matter when the wins or losses, but wins build confidence. You're able to better coach off of a win than you can off of, off of a loss on this, in this level. And more importantly, players who look at themselves looking forward going forward are more ecstatic more happy to come off of a win rather than coming into off, off of a loss the Rams and the Cowboys are both 12 and 5 which is right. a, a pretty good record but I don't think the public really trusts either team uh, the Cowboys in part because they beat up on a really bad division went 6 and 0 there and went 6 and 5 against everybody else and then to PK's point the Rams just when you want to trust him you watch him you're like oh what was that that was painful Blowing a 17-point lead. Which team do you trust less, the Cowboys and the Rams? Oh, that's a good question. Um, oh, boy. You know what? It, 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 to me, and to be honest, guys, and, and I'm not just trying to wiggle out the question, I, I think it's pretty even. Matthew Stafford tends to throw a lot of interceptions in the situation <laughs> yeah. he did towards the tail end of the season. The Cowboys really don't have a running game without you know Tony Pollard. Um, you know they, they keep relying on Ezekiel Elliott, who's not getting it done for some reason, and they're beat up with offensive line issues. However, the, both teams, the Rams and the Cowboys' defense, can be impact makers. They have the players to be impact makers. If it wasn't for COVID, I think things would be a lot different, especially for the Cowboys. I, I think they're pretty much even. I wouldn't be surprised to see either of them out. However, I will say this: I did make a little side bet earlier this year that once the Rams got Matthew Stafford, they would be an NFC championship. So I do got a little bit of money waiting for you know Stafford and the Rams to get to the NFC championship. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> do you have the uh, Packers as the clear favorite in the NFC then? No, I didn't choose that. The only the only sort of uh, what prop bet I chose was the fact that the Rams were going to be in the NFC Championship. And I thought wholeheartedly once they got Matthew Stafford, they got the quarterback that put him over the top. I didn't expect all the other injuries and all the other intangibles to come into play, but, you know, it is what it is. 
The only thing about Stafford, you mentioned those interceptions. I looked it up, and I was surprised to see that he tied with Trevor Lawrence for the most yeah. interceptions in the NFL with 17. I, mean, yeah. I think we all knew Lawrence through a lot of interceptions, and partly that's him, and partly that's the coaching situation, the chaos, and the lack of talent all added up. But for Stafford to pull up alongside of him, that, that caught me off guard. Yeah, you know, for Stafford, in a lot of his interceptions, it's just that the only way that I can analyze and assess it is the fact that he didn't see the whole field. There were times, I think even in the last game, where he threw kind of blindly to a point and didn't see linebackers or defenders sitting right there. I mean, in the Ravens game, it was a pick six right off the back because there was a linebacker sitting right there. I was like, how do you not see him? Um, uh, and but, but for Stafford, a lot of times it wasn't just seeing the whole field. It was just going with, with an initial instinct, tossing the ball to a point and at a fault. Black Monday hit. We saw the coaching changes. You know, yeah. I get it. It's part of the business. The only one I didn't really understand that much was Miami. What are your yeah. thoughts? I, it's There were certain rumors circulating around the fact that Harbaugh was available and the owner of Miami, I dropped his name right off the top of my as a, a affiliation with Michigan. Went to Michigan. He's a Michigan man. And he was going to make a, a play for Harbaugh. This is reminiscent to me, uh, it reminds me, I should say, of what um, Mark Davis did back in the day with Del Rio and, and Gruden. Um, the moment that he found Gruden was available, he decided to you know, clean house. And, of course, Del Rio had already lost a team at that point. But um, it was a little bit different situation than Miami. But uh, he, he wanted to make way for Gruden. Uh, this is that that sort of that, that, that kind of reminds me of, of the same thing situation in Miami. Well, Lincoln, as always, we appreciate it. Get some more uh, nitroglycerin and uh, don't fall yeah, out of the I'm, press I'm, box. I got my, my uh, prescription called in for Walgreens. I'm waiting for them to call me back and say it's good to go. Yeah. <laughs> the right. kids have never let me down so far. So, <laughs> 36 and snow is the forecast for Cincinnati on Sunday. Oh, so that's, that's balmy right that's, there for Cincinnati. The Queen City, 36 degrees? Oh, great. I hope, the, I, hope the, I hope the press box or the, or the, the broadcast booth is closed off. Right. And no wind. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot, Lincoln. We appreciate it. Enjoy the playoff thanks, game. Be well. Talk to you soon. All right. Lincoln Kennedy, he's our radio Raider radio analyst, part of the Raider Radio Network. Say that three times fast. And you'll hear that game right here on the uh, on the zone this weekend. All right, DJ and PK. We got Ken Pomeroy, college basketball expert. Founder of KenPalm.com. We'll talk college basketball with him coming up at 8.30. we got more reaction to the Jazz and a four-game losing streak, and we will get to that next. Stay with us.